Welcome to the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church Podcast, where we listen, learn, and love together. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message. Not very long ago, I heard the gentle tapping, the gentle knocking on the door of my heart. Now, as soon as I heard it, I knew exactly who it was. So I ran to the doors of my heart and I opened them up wide. And there he stood, Jesus, looking at me with his tender, loving eyes. And he says to me, Simona, trouble's coming your way. Now, I'll be honest, immediately fear fell over me. Nobody wants to hear those words. And he looked at me again. He said it again. Simona, trouble is coming your way. And then he did something. He took his two grace and mercy scarred hands, placed them over my eyes and said, Simona, trouble is coming your way. Now I need for you to adjust your lenses. The title of my message this morning is Extraordinary Vision. Now, I love our scripture for this morning. I'm asking that you pull out your Bibles and let's read it together. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18. And the Apostle Paul says, we can read it together. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are what? Temporal. But the things which are not seen are? Extraordinary vision. Now, in 2014, trouble did, in fact, come knocking on my door, and it came in the form of my five-year-old son saying, Mommy, my head hurts. Now, if you're a parent or if you dealt with children, you understand that when kids complain about hurts and pains, it's hard to tell what's a big, big issue and what's something minor. But the way he was crying made me feel in my spirit that something was wrong. So I took him to the doctor. Get to the doctor. The doctor does an examination. Mom, I can't find anything. Maybe it's just migraines. So he went home. The next day, Mommy, Mommy, my head hurts. My head hurts. So I immediately picked up the phone. I called the doctor. I said, listen, I'm about to take him to the emergency room. Just wanted to let you know. The doctor said, no, 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 Mom, don't do that. Come bring him in again, and I'll examine him again. And I said, well, what are you going to do today that you didn't do yesterday? He said, Mom, please, just bring him back in. So I took him back in, and he did some more examination. He said, Mom, this probably is migraines. And he gave me a list of foods that my son should avoid. And honestly, he wasn't really eating those foods anyway. But he also gave me a script to go and have a CT scan done. So I was glad about that. Went had the CT scan done, and we were waiting. Now, you know, if you have anything seriously wrong with you, you don't have to wait. They will call you, right? I didn't hear anything. 
A day went by, and I called the doctor. I was like, doctor, I didn't hear anything. He was like, the scan is fine. Mommy's fine. Don't worry. Don't go on Google. You know how we do. Don't get yourself in a frenzy. Just see how he does. And if by the next time he comes in in six weeks, if something is still going on, then I'll send you to the neurologist. I said, okay. Hung up the phone, and then I called one of my doctor friends. He's like my uncle. And I said, Uncle Teddy, he's Dr. Watkins. I said, this is what's happening. And he told me, you know what? You need to call Dr. Drake's. Now, as soon as he said that, my heart sunk. I did not want to call Dr. Drake's because Dr. Drake's is another doctor in the area. I'm from the D.C. area. And not too many years before, his daughter had died of an aneurysm. So I didn't want to call Dr. Drake's, not because, you know, it's just, just weird. You just, I don't want to call Dr. Drake's. But I called Dr. Drake's, told him what was happening. He said, Simona, take that child to Children's National right now. He needs to be seen by a neurologist. So I called Children's National. Tell them what's going on. Ma'am, we don't have any appointments available for another two weeks. So obviously they didn't think it was that urgent. So I said, okay, Lord. Lord, I need you to let me know if I need to do something more. I just can't sit here and something happened to my son. Lord, please let me know if I need to do something more. And then that evening in the middle of the night, Mommy, my head hurts, my head hurts. So my husband and I packed him up, and we went to the emergency room. We get there, and the doctors decide, you know, we're going to do some additional testing. That's fine. So we're just waiting, waiting, waiting. And then after the testing was done, the doctor said, Mom, Dad, I want to talk to you before I leave. And he pulled us into a room that was different from the room that our son was in. Fine. And he sat down, he said, Mom, Dad... We found something. We found two masses on his brain. Now, my husband is in healthcare, and he actually works at the hospital that we're at. And he was like, doctor, don't sugarcoat anything. What are we dealing with? And the doctor said, well, this could be a tumor, or they could be a cyst. Either way, this child needs to be seen at Children's National immediately. So, I remember hearing the words come out of his mouth. You know, it's just such a shocker. Like, what in the world? But there was something that the doctor said that I will never forget. He said, Mom, Dad, I see the Spirit of God all over you. And I said, Lord, you're so awesome. Because in that moment, that's what we needed to hear. Because we needed to know that God was with us. So, I left that office, that room that we were in. And I remember I was walking down the hallway. And literally, my body was shaking. I was shaking so bad. I mean, I could barely walk down the hall. And a nurse came, and she grabbed me, and she said, Here, Mom, please, come in this office. You can sit in here. You can make a phone call, do whatever you need to do to get yourself together. And when I got into that room, I literally collapsed to the floor. And I was praying. I was like, God, God. And one thing that I said to God when I was on the floor, I said, Lord, If I have to go through this trial with my son, I will not speak for you. That's what I told God. And I want to give you a reason, some background as to why I told that to God in that moment. Several months before, 
I had been praying and asking God to show me my purpose. And when I was asking him this, I wasn't talking about a career. I have, I had a career. I'm an attorney. I'd done all that. I've been, I've become a stay-at-home mom once I had my kids. But I was like, God, something is missing. I, there's something more you want me to do. And this was a process. I was praying about this for months. And then finally, after several months had passed, God revealed to me that he wanted me to speak for him. And I was very excited about it because the revelation was so, so very clear. And I was like, okay, God. And I was like, God, well, what, what do I speak about? I don't have a problem talking in front of people. You know, I like to run my mouth. I always got in trouble in high school for t- talking too much. So I was like, this is perfect for me. But God said, you know what? Look at your spiritual gifts. And one camp meeting, I had done the spiritual gifts test, and I had stored it away. And I went back to that journal, and I looked it up, and my spiritual gifts were exhortation and leadership. Exhortation is encouraging people in faith, right? So now, as I'm sitting here in this hospital room, it was like light bulbs were going off, and I was like, whoa, 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 no, Lord. Because I know the people who have encouraged me the most are people who have gone through hell. And I was like, Lord, no, no, no. There are enough people out there who have already gone through stuff who can speak for you and encourage others. That's not a burden I want to bear. I want my son. And on top of that, this is a child that I prayed for. Any of you ever prayed for something really hard? I prayed for this child. When my husband and I were married and then when the time was right for us to have kids, we tried to have kids. It was not happening. So we prayed, and I remember saying, you know what, Lord? If you bless us with a child, I will give him back to you. And I said him because I really in my heart wanted a boy. Come from a house of all girls. And I said, Lord, please, please, if, you know, if it's in your will, bless us with a baby boy. And God answered that prayer. And true to my word, when that child was born, I left the law firm that I was working at because it did not mesh with my family values, you know, as far as spending time and stuff. And I said, I'm going to pour into this boy just like I promised you, God. But now here I am in the hospital and he has tumors or masses in his brain. And so while I'm laying there on the floor, literally I was just crying. God said to me, Simona, what makes you think I won't bring you through this victoriously? That's the words, that is what God said to me. And I literally, I was like, wow, 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 God. So I got up off the floor, got myself together, and I said, okay, I have to be strong to go through this journey, whatever this journey is about to be. So I left the room. We were then transferred to Children's National. Apparently the situation was so serious that we, did not, we were not able to get into our cars. We had to take the ambulance over to the next hospital get there. Children's National, they do their testing, you know, the preliminary stuff, and they say, okay, we have to have brain surgery on this child. These things, whatever they are, have to come out immediately. So this was all, we went into the hospital on Thursday night, Thursday night, early Friday morning. Friday, we're at Children's National. Monday, he's having brain surgery. Everything was just happening so fast. And so while we're in there at the hospital, I'm praying, I'm like, God, please, Lord, let this be it while he's in surgery. If you ever had to wait for somebody having surgery, don't you know it's torture? Because they tell you it could be three hours. 
It could be four hours. You know, you can't do it. You just have to sit there and wait and wait and wait. And the time that the frame that they had given us had passed, and it was just longer and longer. I just remember like, God, please, let this be it. Let it be cyst. And the Spirit said to me, this isn't it. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Then the doctor came out, and he said, Mom, Dad, surgery went fine. But based on my experience, this is cancer. So we had to wait the next week. You know, we're waiting for them to do all their testing and stuff. The next week, we find ourselves in a room sitting with our team of doctors. And they're across the table from us, and they begin to share with us exactly what they found. And what they found is that Brayden, that's my son's name, Brayden had medulloblastoma. And that's a form of pediatric brain cancer. And in his case, he had high stage, high grade, one of the most aggressive cancers that he could have. And I remember asking the doctor, I said, you know, what if we would have brought him in earlier? I mean, literally. He was like, Mom, this cancer is so aggressive. There has been no signs that you would have had beforehand. This is just how it is. And so then they began to tell us what we were up against. They said, Braden has a 50% chance of survival. I'm like, what? Five-year-old child, like, God, are you, this is for real? Then they tell us the treatment. He has to undergo high doses of radiation, proton radiation therapy, and then seven rounds of chemotherapy. And because the medication is so strong and where we're treating him, we're going to treat his brain and his spinal cord, there are going to be some side effects. He's going to lose part of his hearing. His growth will be stunted because we're treating the spinal cord. So at some point in time, his torso will stop growing, but his legs will continue to grow. Like, Lord. And you have to understand, my husband is tall, 6'5", and I'm thinking, you know, I have these dreams of my little chocolate drop growing up to be a tall young man. And then they said, his mental capabilities will be diminished. I was like, Lord, survival is 50%, but if he survives based upon this treatment, he's not going to be the same child. But God said victory. And that's what we held on to. We said, God said victory. So we left there. (coughs) Excuse me. And... We're in the DMV area. I was like, Lord, I need some support right now before we begin this journey. I need lots and lots of support. So we put out a call for all the churches, and we got together, and we had a praise party before Braden's treatment started. Because I'm of the belief, you know the song, don't wait till the battle is over, shout now. God is worthy of our praise in the midst of the storm. We don't need to wait till it's over, see how it works out, and then say, oh, thank you, Jesus. No. Right now, while we're in the midst of this storm, we are going to praise you. And so we came together, and collectively, we had a praise party. And after that was done, I felt encouraged. We were able to take the next steps. So because of the type of treatment that Brayden had to have, we had to go to Philadelphia. Remember, we're in the D.C., Maryland area. And Philadelphia, their children's hospital, had this special proton radiation treatment. And he goes to the treatment there, and it is, it is traumatizing. He's five years old. It's traumatizing. But he made it through. We came back home to Maryland to start part two. And part two was the chemo. And what the doctors had told me was that chemo, that's the real kicker. We thought the radiation was bad. This chemo is going to be the real kicker. So I was trying to get my mind ready for that. We went for our appointments. 
And after one of our appointments, the doctor called us into the room, my husband and I, and he said, uh, Mom, Dad, we won't be starting chemo. So I was like, really? Okay. He was like, we looked at his scans, and this is highly unusual for this type of cancer, but the cancer is all throughout his body. There is nothing we can do. And they sent us home with a prescription for hospice. And that was on a Friday. My mind was blown away. After all the radiation therapy, you're telling me it did nothing? But God promised victory. So that day when we were driving home, you know, we're praying. Our minds are everywhere. Our, my in-laws, we had found a doctor, an Adventist doctor, who practiced alternative medicine. And he practices it in Mexico. Because, you know, certain things are not going to be approved here in the States. And so we talked to him, and we're like, you know, this is where we are now. And he said, you know what, I'll give it a shot. And the treatment was $50,000. $50,000. So that Friday when we got home, we were just talking, 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 because I was not of the mindset to just give up on my child. I just, that's just not where I was. So I put a post on Facebook, you know, to, I was very, 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 vocal when I shared my journey on social media. And on Monday morning, we had $50,000 in airline tickets to get us to Mexico. Saying God is good. He's very, very merciful. We had support throughout this entire journey. $50,000 in tickets to Mexico. We get to Mexico, and the doctor there begins the treatment. And while we're there, things happen. Things I'm like, God, please just erase them from my memory. But by the time that treatment was over, Braden was not in a position where we could fly back home to Maryland. So instead, we had to drive across the border, and we went to California. My in-laws are there, and that's where we stayed. And while we were there, I'm just like, God, what is happening? And we're praying, and we're praying, and we're praying. And I'd always said... Victory. I don't know what victory looks like, but God said victory. But during the course of this journey, I really got into my word. And one thing that I did was I began to pray the scriptures, right? And so I found every scripture that was in agreement with me for Braden's healing. I found every scripture that I could find. I, we prayed it over Braden, you know. And at this point, I'm confident God's going to heal Braden. He's going to heal Braden. He's going to heal Braden. And we're praying the word over Braden. But what's interesting is, I want you to follow. I found scriptures that were in agreement with what I wanted, right? I mean, now, if you ask me, I'm praying for God's will to be done. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yes, I'm praying God's will to be done. God, your will, God, your will. I'm praying it all day long. Until one day, several weeks into us being in California, God really spoke to my heart. He said, Simona, you've been praying for your will to be done. But you've been saying it's my will. And I was like, whoa, Lord. And he was right. He was right. My heart wanted one thing and one thing only. It was not open to any other option. And I was saying that that was God's will. So at that moment, this was Sabbath morning, my husband and I, we went to Braden's bedside, got on our knees, and we prayed. And this is the prayer that I prayed. 
I said, it's the most crucial prayer I've ever prayed. And with a sincere heart, I said, Lord, I get it. I get it. If it is your will for Braden to go to sleep, I accept it. If it is your will to heal Braden, I accept that too. But whatever your will is, Lord, I can't take this anymore. Please do it today. We're in July. He was diagnosed in February. And do you know that while we were on our knees praying, 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 within a span of 15 minutes, he closed his eyes and he went to sleep. God's will was done. But God was so merciful because, mind you, from the time we started this journey and the time the doctors said, the doctors did not expect him to make it. (laughs) After they told us that the scans they saw, they didn't expect him to make it through the week. But God waited until his child was ready and understood what it means to trust God and accept his will. Now, here's the interesting thing. If I looked at my journey through my human eyes, I would tell you that my journey was one filled with too many hospital visits, heartbreaks, and pains. I would tell you my journey was one in which the God of the universe did not answer my prayers. I would tell you my journey was one in which God just disappointed us and let the devil win. That's what I tell you if I looked at life through my human lenses. Praise God Almighty. Praise God Almighty. The God of the universe showed me how to adjust my lenses so I could see what my journey was truly about. Because my journey was one in which two parents learned how it feels to have the heart of God drawn close to you. Where two people learn what it truly means to trust God and to seek his will in your life. It was a journey in which every plan the enemy had set for us, it failed. You might not see it now, but by the time we're finished today, I hope that you will see it clearly. It was a journey of true victory, just like God told me. Victory, victory, victory. But you can only see it if you adjust your lenses. Now, what's interesting to me is that we as Christians, right, Good church folks, we know all the right things to say. We say things like, God is good all the time and all the time. The Lord will make a way. God will never give you more than you can. And we sing songs like trust and. But what's interesting is that when you're bearing a burden that seems too hard for you to bear, all of a sudden those words that we so proudly proclaimed, right? when we're on the other side of it, do they lose their meaning? When it gets hard to trust and obey, when you can't see how God is going to make a way somehow, and to be honest, when it doesn't seem like God is good all the time. So I said, God, what is up with that? Because I say those things all the time, and when I say them, I'm sincere, right? I'm sure you say them too, and you're sincere. God, what's up with that? And so I said, I'm thinking about it. I'm talking about it to God. He said, God, what's the problem? Is the problem with our tongues? We just out there just talking reckless. The Bible says the tongue is unruly. No man can tame it. 
Is that the problem? I said, no, because the word of God says out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do we have heart problems? God, is that the issue? The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. And I'm thinking about this thing, God, is it a heart problem? And God says, no, Simona, you're looking at the wrong body part. You need to look at the eyes. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. My people have an eye problem. We have eye problems, you guys. And that's why God is saying to us, adjust your lenses. Now, I want to tell you a story about a man I call David. David had a bad attitude. From the time he was a child, he grew up with this entitled type of behavior. When you feel like people owe you something, right? Bad attitude, glasses always half empty. Good morning, David. What's good about it type of person? You know that type of person? He just was very unpleasant. And the thing about David was that type of attitude will get you nowhere. But it got him somewhere. It got him a rent-free spot in prison. And so while David is in prison, his miserable attitude gets worse. Obviously, he's in prison, encompassed between four prison walls, nobody to talk to but his own miserable self. And while he's there, he starts hearing tapping on the wall. Then he starts hearing a voice. And as it turns out, there's an inmate in the cell next door who wants to talk to David. And the wall was just thin enough where their voices would carry. So the inmate every day, hey, what's your name? And after a while, David became more receptive to him. And they started to have this dialogue. And they became friends. And one thing that David liked about the inmate in the cell next door is that he would always share with him the things that he saw. Because in his cell at the very, very top was a little window, and he would stand on his chair and peek out, and he'd say, hey, David, today, guess what I saw? I saw the blue skies. They were beautiful. I saw the sun shining bright, and there were birds flying by. And then, David, guess what I saw today? Way, way out in the distance, I saw a beautiful woman walking down the street. He was exaggerating, of course, but he said, I saw this woman, and one day I'm going to make her mine. And David would just laugh. His friend was just so entertaining to him, but he enjoyed hearing about what was outside of the prison. Then one day, as fate would have it, the inmate in the cell next door was released. And David, while happy for his friend, he was hurting because the source of his joy was now gone. So David, as he's sitting there, finding himself sinking back into the man that he once was, he comes up with a bright idea. He says, hmm, if I could only get in his cell, at least I'd have a window to look out of. So he asked the jailer, can I be transferred before you put somebody else in there? And he said, sure, we'll do it tomorrow. And the next day comes, and David is transferred into the cell of his dear friend, And as he walks in, he looks up, and tears just flow down his eyes as he realizes there is no window in the cell of his dear friend. Now, could it be that the inmate in the cell next door had learned to adjust his lenses? Could it be that he had learned to see what he could not see? 
Because the Bible says, by beholding, we become changed. And if his goal was to be a citizen who's free and not imprisoned, then you can't sit around focusing on the four prison walls. You got to focus on what's beyond the prison. And the same thing applies to us. We cannot focus on the four prison walls of this earth. They have nothing for us. All this earth has to offer to us is disappointment, pain, discouragement. And when you focus on what you can see, you begin to develop a prison mentality. One that says things aren't going to get better. One that says this world is hopeless. One that says there's nothing good going to happen for me. And God says, listen, I did not create you to be citizens of a sin-sick world. That was never my intention. I created you to be citizens of a much higher kingdom, a heavenly kingdom, an eternal kingdom. But for you to be there, I need you to be changed right here and right now, which is why the Apostle Paul admonishes us in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, 18, which is why I love it so much. For our light affliction. This stuff that we're experiencing right now is light. It might sound crazy saying it, but in the big scheme of things, Braden's death was light. This is what Paul says. Light affliction lasteth but for a moment. Lasteth but for a moment. But God is working out something great, eternal weight of glory. But God says, not God. Well, God says it. Yes, he does. Through Paul. You got to focus on what you can't see. You've got to learn to adjust your lenses. Now, you might be thinking, Simona, well, that's all good, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know the pains and the hurts that I've been through, the disappointments. And as mad as I want to adjust my lenses, I don't think I have the power to do it. And I'm telling you today, yes, you can. Through the power of Jesus Christ, you can adjust your lenses because God, that's what he does. And if you're having trouble, you better get in this word. This word will transform you. It will carry you. There is no reason why I should be able to stand before you today and talk about one of the most painful experiences that I've ever had to endure. Were it not for the word of God, this thing is life-changing. And in this word, I was able to find story after story of individuals who, after experiencing some hard things, adjusted those lenses and let God work some amazing things through their lives. You have an issue with feeling lonely? Maybe life has done you wrong. You're separated from your loved ones for whatever reason, through divorce or anything, and you feel sad. You better read, read about Daniel Daniel was kidnapped, right? Kidnapped. He didn't have his mother, his father, or any siblings that he might have had taken from what was normal and comfortable and forced to live in a foreign, idolatrous land. But Daniel said, I'm going to adjust my lenses because I am a citizen of a higher kingdom. I'm not a citizen of Babylon, so I'm going to see what I can't see. And because he chose to do that, what did God do? He raised Daniel up. He said, you got this. Now you can advise kings. If you have an issue with feeling like people have treated you bad, people have done you dirty, and I'm sure we all have experienced that. Maybe you've been falsely accused of something. You better read about Joseph. Joseph hated 
by his family, sold into slavery, then falsely accused of rape, attempted rape, adjusted his lenses, adjusted his lenses. So when the time came for him to be reunited with his family, Joseph didn't have a plan of revenge. No, he was too big for that. When you're a citizen of a higher kingdom, you see things differently. And he said, what you guys meant for harm, it's all good. God meant for good. He meant it for the saving of a nation. It's all good. I adjusted my lenses. And if you are dealing with the pain of loss, losing a child, a loved one, a spouse, a mother, anybody, you better read about Job. Experiencing devastating loss in the midst of it. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's what happens when you adjust your lenses. Now, in my situation, I can tell you what adjusting my lenses has done for me. God has done some amazing things in my life. And because God promised me victory, I remember I was like, whoa. Everything just happened. It seemed to happen so fast. And because I was so vocal, I was like, God... Throughout this process, I have been saying, oh, God's going to heal Brayden. He's going to do this. He's going to do this. How, what kind of testimony do I have now? <laughs> I mean, really, that's what my thought was. What kind of testimony do I have now that my son has passed? And God says, Simone, I got you. Because what you have to understand is that I am better able to use you as a woman who's experienced loss than I would have been able to use you if I healed your son. And, and stay with me now because I can't minister to someone who's experienced loss if I don't know the pain that they've gone through, right? It's a little different. You can minister. Don't get me wrong. You can minister, but it's a little different. And for someone who's experienced loss, maybe they don't want to hear, oh, God healed my son. You know, that might not speak to him. God said, I am able to use you. And God has been using this situation in a way that I could not even imagine. I couldn't even imagine, but he did it. What the devil meant for wrong, God turned the thing around for good, because that's the kind of God he is. But the only way I could see that had to adjust my lenses. And this is what I told God. I said, okay, God, very honest, very, very honest with God. I said, God, now that this has happened, you said victory. I need you to be who you say you are. Master physician, master healer, master counselor. I'm coming to you for you to heal me, God. You are the only one who can heal me and have me able to get up in the morning, do the things that I need to do, keep a smile on my face. Not a fake smile, but a sincere and real smile on my face, God. I need you to do that for me. I said, I got you. This is what victory looks like. I've got you. And in the process, he said, Simone, I want to show you some other things. Every prayer that you prayed, I answered. I said, really now? (laughs) Let's talk about that, God, because I had some serious prayers, and you answered them, but you did not answer them in the way that I wanted you to. He said, yes, I did. First prayer you prayed was that your son would not lose his hearing. And I was praying that prayer hard because death, you know, that wasn't an option for me. I was really worried about the hearing and all the other stuff. And God said, don't you know, Simona, one day not too long from now, I'm going to put on my kingly robes, and I'm going to mount a white horse, and then I'm going to take a journey. And along that journey, just before I reach my destination, 
I'm going to shout out, Brayden Caleb Watts. And all of a sudden, the decomposed elements of my son's body are going to start to reform. And God said, I'm going to reform his ears so they can hear my voice when I call his name at my second coming. God said, Simona, his hearing is going to be crystal clear. I answered your prayer. Simona, you worried about his mental capabilities? Don't you know when I put your child back together into perfection, he is going to be learning about me and my ways for eternity. I got the mental part. Simona, you're worried about his stature and his growth. I got that too. You were talking about 6'5". I'm talking about 16 feet, the way it was supposed to be when I got on my hands and knees and created Adam. Simona, I answered your prayers, and the greatest prayer you prayed was that your son would not die. Hallelujah. He said, he's not dead. That boy is sleeping, and he will not experience a second death, because when I come again, I'll wake him up. Simona, I answered every single one of your prayers for eternity. You were praying for temporal. Temporal. Because the reality is, even if God decided to heal Braden, guess what? If God didn't come, he would have died anyways. It does not matter. Five years, six years, 70 years, 120 years, it does not matter. It's how you live in that but for a moment that God has given you. That but for a moment. Five weeks, one hour, two, whatever it is. How are you living in that little bit of time, the drop in the bucket that God has given you? God says, my children... Adjust your lenses. Stop focusing on the temporal and focus on the eternal. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We glorify your name. We praise you for who you are and the fact that the devil, the enemy, is already defeated. He plays these games with us and he fools around with us in the temporal realm, Lord. When you said, I've already defeated you for eternity, we just have to make the choice to see things the way they really are. So God, I'm asking that for everyone in this building, God, it's hard. Let's be honest. The temporal stuff is hard. It's hard, God. So we need your strength to rise above what happens here on this earth and see things with the eternal weight of glory. God, do it for us. Do it for us. Do it for us, God. I know you can. I know you will. And I praise your name for teaching us how to adjust our lenses. Your name I do pray. Amen. This podcast is brought to you by the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. Connect with us on www.jaxsda.org or on Facebook and YouTube. We look forward to sharing more inspiring messages with you.